At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to A Liberal and a Conservative Walk into a Bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out our website, libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, and we're on Stitcher. Uh, find Tim on Twitter at libcontim. Find me at libconmatt. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about Orlando. Um, it's kind of the thing that's been on everybody's mind. Uh, so we're going to cover that from a lot of different angles tonight. Uh, if we have some time, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Brexit thing going on over in, uh, in Britain, their impending potential exit from the European Union. And uh, don't worry, we're also going to talk about the fact that not two weeks ago, Taylor broke up with Calvin only to be caught necking with the guy who played Loki in The Avengers. Eye on the ball, America. Eye are, on the ball. Are we going to talk about that? We're not going to talk about that. We don't care. I don't know. If we have time, you don't know. I, okay. CNN felt the need to talk about it today. <clears throat> anyway, all in due course, my friends. In the meantime, how are you, Tim? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just was baffled for a minute by the idea that we were actually going to talk about that. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Nor, you know, the, you're not yeah. you're not distraught about Taylor and Calvin. I don't even I don't even have, yeah that's completely destroyed my train of thought. So life life is nice. It's good. It's wonderful. How how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 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 feeling good for Tom Hiddleston. You know, well done, Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't know who that know. is. Like I'm I'm excited that yeah. I'm, <laughs> He's the guy who played Loki in the Avengers, who was just caught necking with Taylor Swift. Come on. Uh, (laughs) I guess I'm uncomfortable with how much I know about the Kardashians. So I I guess I (laughs) that that legitimately that was a headline on CNN (laughs) today. Heavens. Oh, my God. It's all right. Even in the midst of a minor crisis or major crisis or whatever, we can still find a way to care about, you know, useless shit every now and then. So, yeah, no, I'm good. You know, it's been a busy week. I've, I've made a massive change in my schedule. I, I decided to try to do this summer hours thing at work that we're allowed to do where we can work nine-hour days and mm-hmm. uh, have Friday afternoons off. And so I've, I've actually been awake at uh, 6 a.m. Uh, every day for the last two weeks, which is something of a massive change for me. So my body is still adjusting to the early hours, but it's, you know, it's nice. So I'm not rushing around with traffic in the morning, which is good. So nice. Well, that's yeah, exciting. buckets of fun. So yeah. Anyhow, um, well, we'll uh, uh, we're just going to dive in. Uh, obviously, you know the the big news this week has been the the shooting in Orlando, which uh, again we said it on Twitter, and and we'll say it again. You know, our 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 hearts are are absolutely with the the families of the victims. Uh, it, this has obviously been a terrible terrible thing to happen. Um, but there's just a lot of different ways to talk about it. So, you know, like I say, we're just going to dive in and we'll start off with talking about the political responses to it. You don't want to see these kinds of things politicized. Um, but there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, Donald Trump didn't waste any time jumping in with his 
wholly inappropriate response. Um, I, I thought Hillary's was very presidential. You know, she went off and went out and did her thing. Um, uh, Obama had, I thought, a very, what I thought was a very good speech on Tuesday, uh, talking about the security briefing. Um, you know, uh, and it, it did seem to me that a lot of people in the, in the, the Republican party saw this as yet another, yet another reason to sort of roll their eyes and go, Oh God, what have we gotten ourselves into with, with Trump? Um, but then at the same time, not willing to actually go out and unendorse the man. So now tell me, tell me about Obama's speech. So I read it. I didn't listen to it. So did you listen to it or did you read it? I watched it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, what, when reading it, it didn't sound fiery, nor did it sound, you know, like he spent the vast majority of it just outlining what the, what what they've been doing to, to combat ISIL. And uh, I was actually kind of like, is this the speech that everyone's talking about? Because I, I don't even see where he talking. And then, you know, right at the end, very briefly, he touched on um, Trump. And uh, not by name, but, you know, and then he, he touched on the whole radical Islam thing. Um, but the reading was not fiery. It did not seem particularly emotional. It didn't. It, was it? And did I miss something by not by not watching it? No, you didn't. Not at all. I mean, you, it was it was fiery in the way that Obama gets fiery. He doesn't get fiery. He gets terse. And stern in that way that puts on daddy face. Yeah, he 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 puts on his big boy face and and frowns, you know, and and but he doesn't scream, he doesn't shout. Uh, I mean, you can, you can tell when he's upset if you've watched enough of him, but uh, you know because he's not really he sort of stops doing that measured response thing. You know how he'll pause and really sort of choose his words carefully. I don't know if this was scripted or not, but uh, he was very focused. But he wasn't shouting, you know, and he wasn't. Uh, I I was I was I, I I thought that the the Republican response to the speech to that in particular was in in its own way very much out of line because they obviously weren't paying any attention to anything that he said. Um, you know, he went out and outlined exactly what we were doing, which is probably what he would have been doing even if Orlando hadn't happened because he was meeting with his security advisors anyway. It just happened to be in the mm-hmm. aftermath of Orlando. Um, and then he, like you said, he went on to address everything that, that they said. But I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, to answer your long, long story short, no, I didn't really think it was, was necessarily fiery. But yeah. I thought the language that he was using was very stern, you know, and I think he's obviously for with and I think with good reason, because I've had it too, had it with this whole radical Islam crap that they keep throwing out there. Well, um, and, you know, and it was nice of him. I, I liked I liked his explanation for that. And and I liked that he finally did explain that he finally did explain it because I've well, I, I haven't particularly cared. I have been wondering you know, like why? So why doesn't he say it? You know, while, while at the same time wondering why this is such a big deal, I was curious, and and so I appreciated that he explained it um, the the same way that I appreciated when you know during the, some of the Republican debates, you know, we started to get really into that the the president's strategy was he wasn't doing this, he wasn't doing that, 
And he sort of admitted, all right, look, maybe I haven't explained myself and went through and explained and what, what his rationale was and what he was doing. And I, I thought it was very good. I was like, okay, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for taking the time to explain it. Uh, and I felt the same way with the radical Islam thing. It, it seemed like a very reasonable explanation and one that even harkened back to George W. Bush, you know, who was, who was the first one to really push the fact that, look, we are not anti-Islam. We are not anti-Muslim. Uh, we want to do everything possible to befriend Muslims and befriend uh, Islam. And we want to make it clear that we are not lumping Islam in with terrorists. And Obama stressed that that was why he didn't like using the phrase radical Islam, because he felt that that it seemed to connect terrorism with, with being Islamic. Uh, and just being very clear that, look, the terrorists have so distorted Islam that they don't even deserve that title. They don't even deserve to have the word Islam associated with them because they have so distorted that religion. Um, and I, I thought that was very good. I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I mean, I guess I appreciate him explaining it, if only to shut them up. Because I guess it was always my that was always my assumption that it was something along those lines. That was why I never thought that this was a matter of political correctness. Um, him not using that, that it was, you know, taking the, again, it's, it's playing, it's playing their game. And every time I have seen on the debate stage throughout this primary season and into now with Trump, these guys trying to push us into some kind of ideological war with, uh, with Islam and, and pushing, encouraging people to be afraid. I, I'm like, it, the reason it bothers me so much is because that's what they want. That's what ISIS wants out of us. They want us tearing our hair out. They want us changing our lifestyle and, and, and being uh, to be afraid of them. Uh, and every time one of those guys would do that, I, I would just sit there and think you're, you're doing what they want you they're This is what they want us to do. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I thought that his explanation of that was really sort of perfect. He really kind of laid it out there, um, in a, in a way that I think only he can, that he's very good at doing, um, you know, so I, I I did not understand and I have not understood any of the Republican responses to this uh, up to now, although a lot of them have been sort of scrambling, you know, because I think the Democrats have sort of found the Democrats, I think, have sort of found their in with the gun control thing. But we'll we'll get to that later. Um, okay. You know, so, yeah. Continue uh, on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I jumped in. So please continue. No, it's it's no, it's it's fine. I mean, that's you know, those were those were the responses. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, I I I I don't even know if there's anything worth saying about Trump's response other than it was disgusting on pretty much every single level. And while it was good to see again some of the leaders in the GOP get angry about it they still say no 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 this guy represents nothing of what we say we think he's a terrible human being but you should still vote for him well i think it's worth noting while he, what all he said because you know he, even the economist has said that a terrorist attack could potentially push things towards trump right 
And and so we had here, yeah, yeah. So we (laughs) had here this sort of uh, domestic terrorism, and I don't think that this that based on the way that he reacted, I don't think that it's going to push people towards him. I think it it would actually push people away from him because we see the way that he responds to it, and it's it's scary. And no one, I, I think that, uh, you know, the people who are already going to vote for Trump might look at it and go, yes, right on. But I think the vast majority of us, uh, you know, Republicans who are, are struggling with the whole the whole Trump uh, being our nominee, this is the sort of thing that's going to push them away. That's going to make them go, no, no, I can't. I can't vote for someone who talks like that. I No, absolutely not. So I, I, I think that if. If this is the way that it's going to go, it, you know, God, God forbid that there's another terrorist attack between now and the general election. Uh, I, I think it might actually push votes away from him and towards Hillary, because, as you said, I was much more pleased with Hillary's response to everything. And it seemed like much more the response that I would want to see out of a president than the response that we got from Trump. Yeah, Um I, I think that, but I think you're onto something with the way that people expect presidents to respond to this kind of thing. People talk about a lot. We've, we've talked a lot about being quote presidential during this campaign and, and does Trump have that? And to me, this was just proof that he doesn't because he doesn't understand the role of what a president is supposed to do in this kind yeah. of thing. Presidents Agreed. in circumstances like this, they can't fix the problem. And it's one of the reasons why people are always talking about how Obama, quote, politicizes these events. I don't think it's I I think in his case, I think there are people that always politicize these things on both sides. But in Obama's case, I think this is personal to him now because he has had to be the leader. He's the one that we look to. Every time something like this happens, that's what we do with presidents And, and presidents are there to be the compass, you know, they're that steadying hand in circumstances like this. They're not necessarily there to fix it, but they're there to calm us down. And you know, that's what, that's what George, that's what George W. Bush did in the wake of nine 11. You know, I mean, obviously there were more things that he had to be active about in that respect, but I still think in those early days, that's one of the times when I thought Bush did a good job. Um, initially in, in the week, first week or two after nine 11, I think Obama's had to do this so many times now, um, that I think it's become personal to him Yeah, and, you know, and, and he's good at meeting the needs of people in this case, Hillary Clinton did that. Donald Trump's response was be afraid, Yeah, be afraid because they're coming and mm-hmm. That's why you have to vote for me. Be afraid of what the other people are going to do. You know, I, I I'm starting to. I, th- I think I want to start referring to him as Pennywise, the the clown from the Stephen King character, because everybody talks about how he he wears clown makeup anyway, and you know he just feeds <laughs> off people being afraid. I think so. You know, I may just start calling him Pennywise if I can remember to. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's the, that was the nature of his entire 
deal. And I don't think that people will respond to it. At least I have hoped that that was the case. And, and I don't think and they it, did. I, I don't I haven't heard anyone really saying, wow, what a great response, Trump. You know, there might be those saying that they didn't like Obama's response, but I, I haven't heard hardly anyone saying, wow, that was that was a really great speech by Trump. And where I, he really inspired yeah, yeah, me. He really knocked that one out of the park. I, I haven't heard that at all. And, and the idea that Obama is the one politicizing these things. I mean, yes, he, he brings up gun control, but I, I think Trump far more than anything I've seen from Obama uh, was trying to politicize this and to gain some sort of political um, ground through it uh, far more than anything I've ever seen from Obama with all of the tragedies that he's unfortunately had to be the, the president during. Yeah. And I think he was doing it from the word go. I think he immediately saw an opportunity to score points mm-hmm. uh, and, and took it, you know, instead of, uh, uh, instead of, you know, because, I mean, you just look at the first, again, I hate to say it, but look at Twitter. The first responses from him were immediately political. Hillary Clinton's first response was, I'm praying for the victims. End of it. And she didn't say a word about anything else. Um, you know, which is the kind of thing that, that that's the kind of, that's where you start. If you want to bring in the politics later, fine. But yeah, I don't even think she had anything political to say until well after Trump had, had said something, mm-hmm. you know. Um. And it was pretty much in response to what he was trying to peddle, which was which was fear, you know, and I don't I I don't respond to that. I don't like it. It's what bothered me a lot about many of the candidates that I saw throughout the Republican primary season Um, in people like Ted Cruz and uh, and Rubio and and Carson to an extent and 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 Chris Christie and even occasionally Jeb Bush. was this idea of not push, not talking about what they wanted to do, but trying to give us reasons to be afraid of what's coming of why we should be afraid now and why we should be afraid of what the Democrats will do and why we should be afraid of Obama and all of these other things. And I just don't, I, I just choose not to think that way. Agreed. Right or wrong. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Um, so I, yeah. Anyhow. So, uh, I, that's, you know, the, the, from a political standpoint, there we go. I, um, just as far as what actually went down, I mean, do you, do you think it's fair to call this a terrorist attack entirely at this stage based on what we know about it? Well, and that, and that's why I was, you know, saying domestic terrorism because it's, it, you know, it gets hard to define terrorism at some point. Uh, I, I think on a, on one level absolutely this was terrorism i mean what what is it what else can it be when someone goes and shoots up 50 people uh shoots up 100 people and kills kills almost 50 uh what else can it be other than terrorism and and uh, obviously this the the gentleman who did this did want us to think of it as terrorism uh hence his sudden um his pledging allegiance to ISIS uh, during and, and just before the attack. So I, I think you can legitimately call this this terrorism. Now, is it a foreign power infiltrating the United States and conducting an act of terrorism in the sense of 9-11? No, I, I think this is much more along the lines of, of San Bernardino. Um, and it's exactly the sort of thing that uh, Obama kind of warned us 
was was coming was going to be the well, the hardest thing to stop. You know, we we've shut down a lot of the ways that that terrorists function, uh, and now you're going to get these sort of lone wolf attacks, almost like a some sort of fan of a the way them doing things the way like they're all, like like they're a fan. You know, and so they're they're going to jump in and do it just like just like their their heroes do. Um, so, but I think definitely it is an act of terrorism. Yeah, d- terrorism in the sense that the Oklahoma City attacks were terrorism. You know that that was obviously a terrorist attack, but it was homegrown. You know, and I think terrorism in the sense of is it international terrorism? I, I don't I don't know that it is. And, and I, I think the thing about it is, is that this guy really sort of seemed to be like it was like he woke up one morning and went, you know, oh, today I'll be ISIS, you know, fanboy kind of thing. And, and it was it almost seemed like it was it was related to ISIS in the same sense that like the like that guy that that shot the reporters at the last second wrote about how he was all into Black Lives Matter. And that this was a black on white thing when in fact it was actually, he was pissed at his boss. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to go shoot some people. And in this case, I, I, I just, I wonder if it was more a hate crime than it was an act of terrorism, I yeah. guess is sort of my point. I mean, there, there's um, just a lot of factors at play because this person does have, he did have a history of, you know, sort of terrorist fandom. Um, as we found out, because he was under investigation for, I think they said about 10 months. Um, but it, it's not in the sense of him being well connected with one organization. In fact, one of the main reasons that they decided that he wasn't really uh, a concern was because two of the terrorist groups that he claimed to be associated with actually hate each other. Um, and so the FBI was like, well, all right, that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I don't I don't think that this guy has any had any sort of real connections to ISIS. He just, as you said, woke up and said, you know what? No, I'm I'm with ISIS now, and went and shot a bunch of people. And obviously, he's got a lot of personal conflict because it it sounds like he struggled with his own potential homosexuality a little, uh, and that yeah. he had actually yeah. used some. Um, <laughs> I don't use the phrase gay apps. I don't know how uh, he had used uh, uh, matchmaking. How about, date, how about dating apps for, generally geared towards homosexual guys? There we go. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and um, and it actually frequented that club along with others. Um, so it's yeah, to the point that people recognized him. There issues. were people who were regulars at the bar that they interviewed that recognized him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, I. Um, I, I, I don't know. He, I, I hate, oh God, I hate, I just, I hate to talk about him yeah, because he just obviously, he's just, you know, it, he's crazy. I mean, there's no, there's no other two ways about it. He's nuts. He's absolutely insane. And that, I don't know that there's any more. Yeah. Or but important to, to note that not crazy as, it. as we segue into talking about more about gun control in general, I think it's worth noting that he doesn't seem like he was crazy in the sense of mental health crazy, as in that he you know is identifiable as he has this mental illness. You know, and if only we had better you know gun control in the sense of keeping guns out of the hands with mental health issues. I, I don't think he was that kind of crazy. No. What? What? Yeah. What's that? What's that? What's that movie? Crazy, not stupid. Speed. 
crazy, not stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, but not crazy in the sense of like the, the guy in, in Aurora, Colorado, the, the James Holmes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think th- this is, is a very different clearly thing. Clearly out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And when we start to talk about, you know, gun control and what, what can help and what can't help. Um, I, I think that's worth noting uh, because that is one thing that a lot of people point to with this is they'll say, okay, so which, which gun control would have stopped this? Which one, you know, uh, as you know, uh, Trump talks about banning all Muslims. Well, this guy was born in America. He's an American citizen. So you, wait, are you talking about banning all Muslims and including American citizens and that they're going to get kicked out? How how does that how does that help anything? Um, was it or, Obama you know, or Hillary gun said, free what are you going to do? Build a wall was, was around the internet. Um, so there 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 is some interesting aspects to that. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I mean, and, and we may as well segue into sort of starting to talk about you know things that that can be done. I mean, as far as uh, you know where we are now with this, I I thought Vox had a very important statistic in that since. Since 1968, more people have died in gun violence, gun-related incidents since 1968, than all American combat deaths since the country was founded. Um, and that's just in less than 40 years. We've managed to eclipse that with gun violence. Um, so I think the idea, I do think that it is, it is a natural response and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Now you can talk about whether or not it, how to approach the conversation or whatever, but I, I, I will stand by this. I think it is a natural response for people to look at guns and say, that's gotta be the problem. But at the same time, I'm more than willing to hear other arguments as to what it is. So before we start talking about guns, the Republican response invariably is always something along the lines of guns don't kill people, people kill people, whatever it is the NRA has scripted for them that week, um, that it's mental health problems, that it's, but whatever it is, it is not the guns, and that what we really need are to less gun control. Or gun control doesn't work. I'm, I personally am tired of these arguments of whether or not it's gun control or it's the mentally ill or it's terrorism whatever the hell it is. There is a problem in this country with mass shootings. People are in record numbers. We have this problem today. We didn't have it 50 years ago where ordinary citizens are getting assault style weapons and sometimes not even assault style weapons and publicly murdering each other en masse with such regularity that our president is about to flip his shit the next time he's got to deal with it. That to me is the problem. If it's not a gun control issue, then what is it? Well, I think all of the things that you, you pointed out, um, maybe there, that there's mental health or that there's terrorism or that these, there's all these other factors that lead someone to do these things. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see how you can, say that the guns don't augment the problem, you know? So, okay. Say you've got an issue with mental health. Okay. Sure. We've got an issue with mental health, but if the mental health person just is coming at everybody with a knife, 
there's only so much he can do. So by allowing the the vast amount of guns that we that we that we have allowed to get into the hands of everyday citizens, this this just augments those problems because now uh, you know instead of the terrorist coming at you with a knife or the mental health person coming at you with a knife, now they're coming at you with a gun. Uh, and you can look at issue, you know, something like suicide. Um, you know, in, in in a moment of of despair and depression, um, someone who doesn't have access to to a gun might not, you know, they might not take their life because there's not an easy, readily available solution to their their problem. But if a gun's right there, they're that much more likely to to end their life. Uh, you know, or anything from, you know, it's a lot. Another argument that I hear a lot is that, well, you know, the, the only thing that stops a, a bad guy with gun with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So, you know, we need more guns. And that's actually a lot of times that's what polls seem to show uh, is that the response of a lot of Americans to this is to go out and buy a gun. Um, but I just think about all the everyday situations where if someone had a gun, how how quickly it could escalate. You know, I, I remember a, a, one instance of road rage where I, I was driving up behind a guy and he stopped and I didn't think he was going to stop and it was in the left-hand turn lane and I, and I had to swerve around him and, and make the left turn because I had turned back to check on my son and I, I just, you know, heat of the moment, do I try to slam on my brakes and hope I stop or I swerve and go around? So I swerved and went around and the guy like followed me into the parking lot and, and was screaming at me. And I've got my little, you know, my little two year old right there. And it was a very, it was a frightening situation. And I can only imagine if, if I had had a gun, you know, if I, if I had had a gun right there with me, one? or what if he had had a gun? But, you know, just reflecting it back on myself, what if I had had a gun? You know, this person is driving up all of a sudden shouting at me while I've got my kid right there. I don't know what his intentions are. Who knows? You know, uh, would I, would I have automatically reached for my gun? And then what if he had had a gun? And then suddenly we're having a shootout in the middle of the fresh market parking lot. Um, so while I do agree that, you know, a lot of these things do have issues beyond just the gun factor. I, I think that the guns, augment the problem rather than providing potential solutions. Well, yeah. And I, and I think that it, it comes down to a fundamental decision of what, you know, I, I think president Obama had a, a very uh, salient and, and sort of haunting point to think about that. Th- these are choices that we're making and doing nothing, refusing to act is also a choice. And he said in his initial response on Sunday, we have to decide what kind of society we want to live in. And to me, that, that yes, that's a choice. But I don't want to live in something that looks like that like that episode of, of, of Star Trek where where everybody on the street has a gun, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, what? Which one is that? The piece of the action where they're all walking yeah. up and down the street, and every single person has a gun. Yeah, I just went hardcore nerd right there. Sorry, you did. I enjoyed um, it though. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of did too. Um, that's okay. I tweeted about the Star Trek Risk game earlier this week, so I think that cat's out of the bag. Um, but uh, you know, and I, I, I know that that's not what I want, and I don't think that that's what most people want this country to look like. But it seems like there are forces pushing us in that direction. And they're just not forces I'm ever going to understand. Well, you know? and I and I think that's true that the the majority of Americans don't want this society that is filled with with everybody who having a gun on their hip, you know, because let's face it in all but I think five states, open carry is perfectly legal. So, in theory, everyone could have a gun on their hip and be walking around. But we as a society have obviously chosen not to live that way Um, because obviously everyone doesn't have a gun on their hip. If someone does, and in fact, when they talk about, you know, why would you get a concealed weapon permit if you're allowed to just carry one openly? the, The answer is that because it makes everyone else uncomfortable. The fact that you have a gun and this automatically, you know, points you out uh, to police, to everyone um, because we as a society don't want that. Um, And so when we talk about the response to this being that we need more guns, I I don't think that we as a society are are comfortable with that. No, no, I, I, I think you're right. That's a good point. And also not something I'd really considered just the fact that open carry is legal in so many states. Anyhow, well, we have uh, we have we have uh, lots more to say on the issues of on the issue of gun control. We're gonna we're gonna get to that in due time. But I think we should take a break and do our round of applause for the week. Well, I mean, I'll I'll give my round of applause to to Chris Murphy, um, the Connecticut senator who sort of spearheaded the the Democrat filibuster of the of the of the Senate. Um, uh, it's it's inspiring to me to see when a politician uh, stands up for for what he believes in, um, and and beyond that, I liked the way that they used the filibuster, right? Like Ted Cruz stood up for what he believed in and took the Senate floor and read children's stories. Okay, so I, I get that, I and I get that he's hardly the first person to do it. Uh, but I like that they use this filibuster to try to highlight the some of the issues related to guns, uh, rather than just getting up there and, and being obnoxious and reading stories. They they they, they talked about the issue itself. Uh, so whether I, I fully agree or not on their stances regarding gun control, I, I did appreciate the way that they did it. Um, and, and the fact that hopefully they actually succeeded and managed to, to push. Cause I, I, I do believe, I mean, this cat might already be out of the bag, so, as you said, but I, I do believe that some, some measure of additional gun controls are, are needed, uh, at this point in our country's history. So round of applause to Chris Murphy. Yeah. I wholeheartedly second that. I, 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 w- I was really proud of the way that, that they handled it, the, the, but the, the part that I thought, really drove it home even further was, was just the, the personal involvement of the people that, that were doing it. You know, Chris Murphy is, is, was, it was the, the representative for the, the district where Sandy Hook is located um, and is now obviously Connecticut Senator. So 
obviously to him it's personal. Part of it that I caught was where uh, uh, Tim Kaine, I think it's Tim Kaine, the guy who's the uh, senator from Virginia who was the governor of Virginia when Virginia Tech happened, was a senator when the reporters in Roanoke were killed. These were a report. This was a reporter that he knew personally. He'd met her um, when he was the governor. Uh, and them telling their stories of how these things have personally affected their lives. Um, and that to me is what, that's one of the reasons why one of, and fr- frankly, one of the big reasons why you have something like a filibuster, you know, to when you don't think your voice is being heard, it's not just a procedural thing. It's there to put your foot down in that respect. And, uh, I, I thought it was brilliant. Although, and I was terribly, it's, it's funny that you brought up Cruz because I was just terribly amused today how he uh, went after uh, the Senate Democrats saying about how they were, how dare they use the Senate floor to politicize the issue. <laughs> politicize what? An issue with a filibuster. Really? <laughs> wow. I about fell over. Wow. Like, wow, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you break out green eggs and ham again, you douche. Oh man. <clears throat> so yeah. Anyway, well my, my round of applause goes to really goes to, to two things. The 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 city of Orlando, uh, for their their response to this was to me what makes this an inspiring place to be. Um, the pictures of, of those people going around the block to donate blood, just people showing up for no reason. Uh, the owners of, of, of local Chick-fil-A's uh, opening up on Sunday, which Chick-fil-A never does, uh, and taking food down to the people standing in line. Yeah, that uh, was awesome. This was, I was very happy about that. Uh, well, and, and, and even more so when you consider some of the flack that, that Chick-fil-A has taken for their stance on homosexuality. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it uh, just on all angles, it was it was phenomenal, and I think that the L- LGBT community, not just in Orlando, but on the whole, uh, also deserves a round of applause for for their uh, response and solidarity in this. Um, and my hearts just go out to them because you know that there's there's an awful lot of, I think that there has been a tendency to forget that this was this yes this was a terrorist attack yes there were political angles to this but this was also in a very real sense a hate crime against absolutely against the uh, against the gay community um and uh you know i thought that their response to to this absolutely is is worthy of applause i was very proud of them so yeah. So anyway, um, very quickly, let's 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 talk real quick. Let's let's jump off the gun thing for a second and talk real quick about what's going on in Britain. One of the we, we have obviously as a country, we've been very singularly focused on Orlando all week long. But there is a very big thing coming up in in Great Britain next week. They are getting ready to uh, vote on whether or not they're going to leave the European Union. Uh, this is the Brexit movement that's been all, sort of all over the place. Um, and this is a very real possibility with very real implications uh, for the United States uh, economically, uh, particularly. 
Um, and it could even have implications on the election because if it does cause our economy to take a downturn, well, that's bad for Hillary because it's going to be bad for Obama. So uh, you know quite a bit more about this than I do. I'm, uh, what what are, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm very I'm very pro European Union. So I mean, my my thoughts are, are definitely in, in the remain on the remain team. Uh, because I, 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 I'm, I'm pro free trade. I'm pro global markets. And I think that's what the European Union stands for. And if you're, if Britain leaves, uh, certainly in the short term, this causes a lot of havoc. Uh, is, you know, as the United States and other countries, you know, we all have trade deals with this European Union. Uh, and now all of a sudden, Britain would be stepping out of that. And so this would require us to renegotiate, you know, all of these trade deals and such with with Great Britain, um, which, as we've seen with all the other trade deals that have, have struggled to get through our Congress, uh, it could take a long time to actually make that happen. Um, and we look at the way Europe is now with the, the Schengen area where you can, you can just get on a train and and go and and travel all throughout without them constantly checking your passport and seeing things. Um, Whereas now all of a sudden Britain would be stepping out of that and would no longer be a part of that. Uh, You look at the, the struggles with, with immigration uh, as they've tried to Britain or, the European Union has tried to figure out how best to handle all of this migration coming into their country and suddenly into the area. And now suddenly Britain is going to be stepping out of that. Um, and it, it points to the, the idea that it's best to shut off your borders. With all the stuff that's going on in the world, it's isolationism is better. And I think that that's the, the overarching theme behind the desire to leave. Um, is the idea that it's it's best to be isolationists, and I think that that's an idea that we have to fight against, because it is better for us to be united on as many fronts as possible, um, and for Britain to, who is obviously a, a, a beacon for the rest of the world, for them to cast this vote, basically saying that no isolationism is the way to go, uh, I think would would be a great tragedy. Is that really the the primary driving factor into the the exit the movement to exit the union that it, that it is populism isolationism in a way sort of in the vein of what we're seeing with with Trump? I think so. Uh, now, obviously, uh, you know the leaders of the Leave group would probably argue with me, but I, I think it is. I you know we we get very focused on Trump because I, you know obviously that's what's going on in our country. But there has been a movement towards the far right uh, all throughout Europe, and it's it's a serious issue. Um, you almost had a, a, a extreme far right um, candidate uh, win in I think it was in Austria, um, and you've got one now in in, in Poland uh, who's causing all all kinds of struggles. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it is, and so I, I think a vote to leave is a vote for uh, isolationism. It's very disquieting to me the idea that they would leave. Does this mean the collapse of the euro? No, completely? because Britain isn't part of the euro. Ah, okay. Oh, wait a minute. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Brit- Britain question. Britain is still so. using the pound. So, and Britain has okay. always been a, a 
you know, always kind of having, trying to have, you know, one foot out the door, always sort of demanding special treatment, uh, kind of, you know, country as far as all this goes. But it's, it's also been a very proud founding member, uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, and, th- and this is the sort of the craziness that we see, you know, Margaret Thatcher was, you know, Reagan's buddy, you know, and they, she was, you know, fundamental towards the towards the creation of the European Union. You could you could probably argue without that without Thatcher the European Union wouldn't have happened. Um, and now all of a sudden you see her party, the Tories, as one of the primary pushers for leaving their European Union. Uh, and I think that you can draw analogies uh, from there to uh, the the Republican Party, where you see these ideals that were put forth by Reagan, and you see how far the Republicans have gone from that. You know, Reagan was Mister Free Trade, and suddenly we have a Republican nominee who sounds anti free trade, uh, and you see our Republican controlled Congress being against trade deals. And it just leaves you scratching your head and wondering, well, what is this party and what does it become? Yeah. And, and at the same time, you, in Reagan, you had somebody who was very pro-immigration, uh, mm-hmm. helped craft a bipartisan immigration legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I would never go so far as to call the man liberal, but he is not to me what he is held up as today. He's not. In he fact, was pro-gun fairly control. certain he would... In fact, I'm, I'm fairly certain he would be pretty appalled by a lot of what he sees out of the Republican Party these days. Yeah. I, I think he would be, too. And, you know, yeah. And as I just said, he, he was pro-gun control. He, he, he did not believe in the idea that assault rifles should be readily available to, to anybody and everybody. Well, the Brady Bill was, you know, I mean, crafted at least in part out of his assassination attempt. You know, mm-hmm. um, at, uh, I don't know. So... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously interesting things to keep an eye on, uh, you know, in Britain, but that's, uh, that's an interesting place to move into our, our big segment tonight, which, uh, something new we're going to try. It's called let's make a deal. Um, we are going to actually talk about, uh, what we can do, what trying to find out where, what bipartisan legislation on, on gun control would look like, um, couple of interesting things that I read on the notion that the right to bear arms is somehow absolute. And this idea that it is, it is written into the constitution and is sacred in a way that it can't be touched. Um, the Warren Berger, who was a Richard Nixon nominee uh, to the Supreme Court, said after his retirement in 1991 that the Second Amendment has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud, I repeat the word fraud, on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, this idea that the NRA has pushed uh, the Second Amendment as absolute uh, into the American consciousness, I think is very, very real. And to me, the idea that it, it, it cannot be regulated because it's written so clearly into the Second Amendment, to me, is just ludicrous. Uh, Slate magazine pointed out that we have constitutionally protected the right to peaceably assemble, but not to block traffic. 
we are protected from unreasonable and unwarranted searches unless there's probable cause, exigent circumstances, or a hot pursuit. If we're charged with a crime, we have the right to a speedy trial, but not if the prosecution is hunting down witnesses, and also a public one, but not if you want it televised. We also have the right to a trial by jury unless the crime carries a sentence of six months or less. So we put restrictions on things that are in the Constitution all the time. But for some reason, we can't do it with guns, which baffles me. I don't know that I'd really thought about it in those terms, but I, I, I think it's an entirely fair point. Well, it's absolutely a fair point. And, we, and I, I think only the most extreme of, of gun activists would hold that you cannot legislate or regulate the, the right to bear arms in any way, shape, or form. You know, I mean, because there's already at least some universal gun control aspects. For example, automatic weapons. Automatic weapons are banned. You are not allowed to have them. So this is, I mean, at least one instance where it it is regulated, and I and I think gives precedence for the idea that you could have more federal across the board gun control. Because that's one of the problems yeah. right now is that I mean I'm all for states' rights. But that, that is one of the issues is that depending on what state you're in, uh, the gun control vary, right? Um, and I think that when you look at you know this the across the board ban on automatic weapons, you can see some precedent for all right maybe maybe it is okay for us to do some some additional across the board federal gun legislations. These are I'm I'm gonna here here's here's what I what what I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a list of things that 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 I want out of gun control as a Democrat that I that I think now these are to me these are not crazy out there sorts of things I agree with the idea that there is no due process on the federal no fly no fly list the terrorism watch list okay. I would like to see some kind of due process procedure attached to that because I do think that's fair. But at the same time, the idea to me that you can't fly, but you can buy a gun is retarded. So I do think that I'm, 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 if you're on that list, I don't think you should be allowed to buy a gun. That's me. I want federal background checks expanded. I want a ban on clips over 14 rounds. I want a 30 day waiting period for anything semi-automatic or above. And I would love to see some kind of federal licensing program, something that if you're going to get, you know, it's something that's, again, uh, that is like semi-automatic, even handguns to a certain extent, uh, if they're uh, like nine millimeters, things of that nature, uh, then I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that we need to have some kind of licensing program. You got to have a license to drive a car. Why can you why shouldn't you have a license to, to shoot? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also think that while I would love to see us do something like Australia did with a mandatory buyback program, I don't think uh, I don't think that would fly here, and there's no way for it. But I think having some kind of federal vol- a voluntary federal buyback program, something where if you want to sell your guns back to the federal government and we'll melt them down for you, then I think I think we should do that. I, I think that would be a great movement to try to get guns off the streets. Tell people we'll pay them, you know, a certain amount of money for a gun, and if you maybe even if you want to watch it get, 
melted down, you can do that. You know, follow it all the way through the process to make sure that the government's not keeping everything and stashing all your guns because Lord knows that's what everybody's all paranoid about. So, well, I don't think that's what everyone's all paranoid about. I I would almost say melting the guns down would be silly because we have military and police who, you know, could could use probably need them. Um, Yeah. Well, but the. Because here's the fear from the Republican standpoint, right? And the the fear is that while someone might talk about, well, we just want this little bit of legislation, deep down, the Democrats and liberals really do just want to take all the guns away. And so we're reticent to give in to any form of uh, gun control. Um but I, I I disagree with that. I, I don't think that I don't I don't think that that's the case. Well, I do agree. Well, I do certainly believe that a lot of people like you would like to see some form of you know mandatory buyback and and that sort of thing. Uh, I I don't think that by allowing some forms of federal gun control that we're instantly going to end up in that slippery slope where suddenly the government's going to take all the guns away. Um, I, I just don't think that's the case. So, uh, if you're if you're looking no, for, because let me be clear that I I don't that that may be what I want, but that's that's one of those compromise points for me. I would love to see us do that. Do I think that's reasonable in this country? No, I don't. And do I would I ever even if I were in Congress would I push for that? No, no, I wouldn't, because I I understand that there are some things that just won't fly, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, that's the that's the that that's what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about saying, okay, I I understand that that's what I want, but I'm not going to get that. So, mm-hmm. and that's you know, what what I'm getting at. So if that's you know, I don't know what what are some of those things that 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 as a Republican you think they could live with. Well, and that and that's the thing. I think I I think that a lot of Republicans would be okay with uh, a you know universal licensing of, of guns um, of the with the idea that you have to take some amount of classes before you're allowed to, to own a gun uh, that we a lot of people would be okay with some form of 30 day background you know waiting period before you can get a gun um, you know I, I don't see any reason why anyone would would disapprove of a voluntary buyback program Uh so I I think a lot of those things are perfectly perfectly reasonable. Um, the the one of the big problems really is the NRA because they they are such a powerful lobby group that they they have this sort of outsized power over uh, over Congress. Where even though I think that the majority of Americans would would sponsor. Uh, some some reasonable forms of gun control, uh, the NRA is able to, to to bully Congress into not doing it. And that's fair. It's awful, but it's fair. Yeah. But now this where, is, this and, is, and I guess here and here's my question, right? Where's the anti NRA group? Like if all all of the Democrats and all the liberals are so strong on gun control and wanting this Where's your lobby group? What's going on? Why why haven't well, you guys no, made this happen? Well, there's no there's no money in there's no money in it. 
right? Well, that's depressing. That's why the NRA. That's why. Well, but I mean, think about it. That's why the NRA is is one of the reasons why they're as powerful as they are, because they increase gun sales. They make ridiculous amounts of money off this kind of thing. Every time that they, I mean, the most. I mean, Obama's not wrong. When he was talking in that town hall and said more guns have been bought, I've read that in a dozen different places, that more guns have been purchased under Obama than have been purchased under any other president in the last like 30, 40, 50 years. Because they play this like a harp. They run out there and they say, well, they elected a Democrat. He's coming for your guns. You better buy them while you can. Get out there and buy guns now because they're going to take them away. And that's never been proven that Democrats want to take them, want to take away guns. My problem isn't that we don't have a lobbying group that doesn't. My problem is, is that for some reason, right up until yesterday, Democrats have just been willing to sit back and take it. And they don't get out there and, 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 and confront these things head on. And get into smaller communities and go out there and say, look, I'm not coming after your guns. I'm not. And explain what it is they want to do and why they want to do it. And what and the, this, and the reason what, what I said earlier is that I think they may have found their flashpoint, as terrible as it may be, is that now they can tie guns to terrorism. And if they can tie guns in with terrorists then they may have an argument that they can really get people behind, at least enough of them. Because that's one place where Republicans are weak in that they on the, on on this kind of thing is that they do not want to appear weak on terrorism. So as soon because they've been saying for years that Obama is the one who's weak on terrorism. So if if Democrats can twist this and say and tied guns and terrorism together, then they may have beaten the Republicans at their own game. You know, and funnily, that's the one thing that I really do have a problem with. You know, I, I don't have an issue with any of the other things you said, but I do have an issue with this whole no no fly, no gun strategy um, because of the lack of due process. Um, it it, it seems, you know, I, I get the idea that flying isn't a basic right. So, okay. You can put someone on a no-fly list. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of with the ACLU here. I'm pretty sketch on that whole thing, but okay. But when you start talking about using that as a reason for not allowing someone what is a basic right for us, you know, as much as we have a right to free speech, we have the right to buy a gun. Now, can there be legitimate regulation of that? Sure, absolutely. But the idea that you can have that right taken away completely with no due process, I, I cannot I cannot get behind that at all. Well, and see, that's that's actually that's why I mentioned the due process part of that was because I'm kind of with you in that respect, because I've read an awful lot of horror stories about guys who just were on the no fly list just because they they were brown. Mm-hmm. You know, or their name was Muhammad and they had no terrorist ties at all, but they couldn't get off. They were on it for years and there was no way to get them off, which is why I think that if they're going to do this, they have got to come up with, I don't, I don't know how you do it, but there's got to be an appeals process. 
they have to lay down something. I and and you know we talked about it. I mentioned earlier when you and I were talking at one point a federal grand jury. You know if they need to put something like that out there. I I don't know what that process would look like. And I suppose there is the idea that maybe you're tipping your hand a little bit, but you're tipping your hand when when somebody tries to fly and you tell them you can't fly. What's the difference in trying to buy a gun? You tell them you can't buy a gun. You're tipping your hand there, too. Mm-hmm. Ryan tried to make that argument earlier today, which was stupid. But you, I, I do think that there has to be some. Well, it was. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, like, well, if we if we don't sell them guns, we're tipping our hand to them. Well, if you don't let them get on a plane, you're tipping your hand to them, too, jackass. Um, the, you've got to have some kind of, some kind of appeals process, I think. And I honestly, I think that's needed anyway. Leave this gun thing out of it. I think there needs to be an appeals process for that. Yeah. And, and, and maybe if you do, you know, maybe if there is more of an appeals process, if this whole no fly list becomes more of a court system due process sort of thing, then okay, maybe I can get behind the whole no fly, no buy idea, but until then, I, I can't get behind that. I can't get behind the removal of someone's rights without without due process. Talk to me about something that, and this is the thing that what what's this is the thing that I don't understand why Democrats don't do. Like you're right, I don't I don't understand why they don't defend themselves more. But there are sort of red meat issues for both parties that if you threw it out there, they couldn't refuse. Or they would have a really hard time refusing, or they might even look bad to their constituents if they did refuse it. What 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 what's something that 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 you just couldn't refuse? Like, what if they threw everything that I mentioned into a bill and said, "All right, we're going to give you this, but we're also going to let you privatize Social Security." Well, I mean, these are the sorts of of, of grand bargains that I, I think we need to see, and there's been. Uh, and I actually had a friend of mine who posted something on Facebook along those lines. And I, I was very surprised by the response uh, of people to him because they, they were like, well, that's that's not even apples and oranges. You just can't even compare. And it's like, well, we're not trying to compare anything. We're trying to say, all right, if we do this, but we'll give you that, uh, why not? And I think he used abortion. You know, and he said, "Okay, well, what if uh, we 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 institute all these these gun these gun control things, but we outlaw abortion after three months?" Um, which, done to right me, now. Done. I'm good. Sign that up. I'm there. Right? Like I'm in. Like I, I would absolutely take that. Now I you know I've already said I'm I'm pro gun control, so it's not like you're. Not like you're talking to Charles Charlton Heston here, but uh, to me, that's that's a no-brainer. Of course, we would take that. Um, but of, I, I've never heard anyone in Congress proposing anything along those lines, which is, I think is unfortunate. And I don't understand it because that's the kind of th- that is the kind of thing that would be. That's how you're going to beat the NRA. Honestly, is that if you went to. Republicans in Congress and gave them something that was not in any way related to gun control. That is a cornerstone sort of thing that they really want. Then there's no way they could let it go. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, honestly, if they want to not do this incrementally, if they really want to change the argument and change the game, 
That's what they got to do. They got to go down the laundry list of what it is Republicans really stand for these days and the things that they really want to do. That if they had, if you had Donald Trump in the White House and Paul Ryan is the speaker and Mitch McConnell is the majority leader and everybody's everybody's happy in Republican land, the things that they would do, tell them they can do this right now. But they got to, you got to give them all these, this, this, a lot of gun regulations. I really think they'd go for it. Would Democrats and go for that, though? <sighs> there are so many of them. after three months. Well, I don't know about abor- I don't know about the abortion thing. I you know I mean that's any one of uh, maybe. I mean I don't know after 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 a three month time frame, you know, with a few potential stipulations like you know life of the mother. I you know I I read about some terrible situation where a woman went through and I, I, you know, I don't know. I know how you feel about this, but her, her child was effectively dead, was not going to survive the birth, the birthing process. And, uh, it was, was still alive in the womb, but was not going to be able to survive outside the womb. And they knew that at like seven months or something, it was a late term sort of thing. So technically she had a late term abortion, but it was of a child that was not going to survive. Um, and, and it was just this, it was really one of those heart wrenching, awful sorts of situations that just kind of tears your guts out reading about it. Um, you know, I don't know, in, 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 ex, in extreme circumstances like that one. And, and it was just, it wasn't a total outright ban and it was just after three months. I don't know. I think you might be able to get enough people to go for it. If this, if this was on the table, if game changing gun regulation was on the table. Yeah. I think you might be able to get enough to go for it, to get it passed. Especially with the congressional makeup now. Yeah. Well, I like you it. Know. Sounds like a deal. And with the house makeup now. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's, that's what I've, that's, that's, that's what I think a deal needs to look like. So now what, now what about now? What if we, you know, kind of kept it focused on guns? What if say, you know, we'll give you making it harder to get a gun, you know, in the sense, all right, there's going to be this, um, you know, universal registry, there's going to be 30 day waiting periods. There's going to be, uh, you have to take classes, all these sorts of things. Um, but we're going to ban gun free zones because we say that gun free zones just create sitting ducks. Yeah. I think I'd get behind that get behind yeah, that because I right. think if you're able to go with that, then I think in a lot of ways you're eliminating the need for gun gun free zones, you know, and if you at least in the future, you know, because I mean a lot's a lot there's a lot of points made that what are you going to do with the guns that are on the streets, which is why I want some kind of buyback program, even if it's voluntary, um, uh, because I think a lot of the guns that are on the streets are in poorer areas, so I think that you know that would be a good way to get guns off the streets. Um, you know, to, to say, okay, we'll, we'll give you money for them. Um, you know, that may be coming off as classist, I realize, but you know, it's, 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 I don't know. It may be the reality of it. Um, but the, uh, I, I think long, you, you have to think long term with something like this. And I think, yeah, I, I would, I would be okay with that if that got to be a case, but subject to local, I think local municipalities, I don't know. 
I, we had, there was a community here, the community that I work for had at one point tried to pass legislation, uh, the, the making city parks, a gun free zone, I think. Um, and, and it was like areas around children's soccer fields and things like that. I, I, I don't know. And, and that, that there's something about that that makes sense to me, I guess, because the idea that we have to say, no, you shouldn't bring your gun to your kid's soccer game. I, I that, to me, that sort of goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, it, well, but here's the thing though, is I, I that, is, well, we go back to when the you say gun free zones. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean. You got to ban gun free zones because that's, that's, you know, if, okay, sure, fine. We have this additional regulation and such, so that well, hopefully the people who have guns are the people who know how to use them responsibly. Uh, but there's always going to be people who are able to get a hold of guns illegally and attempt to perpetrate these sorts of these sorts of crimes. And so, of course, the best place for them to go to do this sort of thing is a gun-free zone because no one's going to have a gun because all of your law-abiding citizens aren't going to be carrying anything. So there's not going to be anyone to stop them. Yeah. I'm still okay with that because I think that the, all of the things that's, that we've talked about are far more effective in the long term than gun free zones are. Yeah. You want gun free zones? You can have them. I'd give you that. Well, and I think anything else you want, anything else you want, I'm open for business. <laughs> well, and now the one thing that you do run into is there is all sorts of stats out there saying that, you know, things like the, the Brady Bill with like the 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 ban on assault semi the the assault rifles and such didn't have any effect, but it seems like they must have because every the the incidents of shootings and such have gone up since those bills went out of went out of effect, right? Yeah, am I, am I crazy? My, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I've been thinking that exact same thing because I've read I, yeah. a bunch of different places saying. I mean, even Bill O'Reilly admitted that on Fox News the other night. Yeah, it, it sure seems like things have increased. I, I don't see how I, I don't see that how that argument holds water. This idea that well, they don't have an effect. Well, losing it sure as shit has seemed to have an effect. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm totally with you. I don't I don't understand that argument at all. And a lot of people were talking about you know again we go, we talked about the Australia thing where they had the mandatory buyback. A lot of people were at one point I was reading in a lot of right wing media saying that, well, the Australia thing didn't work. Not according to Australians. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, that, I don't buy that at according all. According to it, most it everybody in Australia, effect. it worked like a charm. Yeah. yeah. They had a, you know, well, we're the only them, country. I mean, you've got to accept the fact that we're the only country that is having this problem on, on this level. You have the random things of, of acts of clear acts of terrorism in other countries. Right. But as far as mass shootings go, no other country has these kinds of struggles. And you've got to look at our, the way that we handle gun control as opposed to the way that these other countries have handled gun control. Because these other countries have had moments like we've had, which we've had now had multiple moments. These countries had a moment and immediately put the kibosh on it. And it was effective. Whereas we've had all these moments, but we haven't taken those actions. And so we, we see it repeated over and over again. And one thing that the economists highlighted is that, you know, when, when Obama did his big, you know, town hall speech and, and talked about gun control and all that stuff, 
the way that he talked was far to the right of all these other countries' center-right parties. So our Democratic center-left president, when it comes to gun control, is way to the right of all these other countries' right-wing parties. Yeah, are you talking about in that that history of violence article that the Economist? Did, I, I did think so. Yeah. So I, that's yeah. I, I thought that was very lead, pointed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, their lead their lead paragraph in that I've got it right here because it was very good. Uh, says that with with awful numbing regularity, Americans use high powered, high capacity firearms to carry out mass shootings, and with awful regularity, efforts to reform America's gun laws in the wake of such tragedies fail. Uh, more than 30,000 people die in shootings in America every year. No other rich country anywhere suffers anywhere near that level of gun violence. Period. It, it, it's, it's impossible to deny this. So, you know, uh, I don't know. What I do know is that we are, we are far over time. But we have crafted legislation, damn it. So Congress, go do your thing. <laughs> we we gave you options. There you go. Anyway, well, like I say, we're we're we are we are far out of time, but uh, we are desperately in need of in need of something cool. Please, please take us out with something cool. The late great Muhammad Ali said, "The man who views the world at fifty the same as he did at twenty has wasted thirty years of his life." I think that is definitely something cool. Absolutely, man. God, God rest Muhammad Ali. We didn't really talk about him that much. It's a good. Good Kentuckian. We're going to miss him. So uh, that's it for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibConMatt. Tim is at LibConTim. Uh, come back and see us next week. We hope you've enjoyed it and have a uh, pleasant week.